The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hope you're uh, staying cool, calm, and collected in this uh, heat spell that we've had covering across the country. Uh, a lot of uh, tracks are uh, going on the turf because they're not getting rained off. Of course, against Saratoga, though, usually gets their uh, their dose of uh, storms. But nonetheless, I hope you're holding up okay. Uh, we're really getting into what's been called the second season of racing here for the Thoroughbred Set and uh, Interesting races last weekend. We're going to review those. We've got some very good ones coming up. I'm bringing in a Del Mar specialist by the name of Matt McCumber to help us break down their two big races on Saturday and Sunday, along with the big races at the spa. And then uh, with us, uh, one of the finest ladies in the land, uh, a kind of a trailblazer in the sport of kings, and that's one Patricia Cooksey, who's wearing a whole lot of hats these days, and we'll get a chance to talk to her. Uh, I shared with you on a personal note a week ago the uh, loss of my good friend, the photographer Tony Leonard. Uh, there's been some very nice stories uh, written about him uh, since his passing, and I uh, want to especially thank uh, Mark Simon, um, who heads up uh, the Thoroughbred Times, uh, wrote a, a very, very... Uh, Nice story. Of course, Mark had a lot of contact with Tony over the years, and uh, news did come out that his collection has been sold, so it's nice to know that uh, the heart, soul, eye, and vision of Tony Leonard uh, will be available to the public for many, many years ahead. So uh, thanks again to everybody that uh, sent me some nice emails and calls on the loss of my good friend. And Again, we're going to keep his his Facebook page up, uh, Support Tony Leonard, and his legacy, so feel free to, to go up there and uh, check out some of Tony's photos and check out some of the comments of the people that have had a chance to uh, meet Tony uh, over the years. All right, we've got an I- interesting uh, uh, launch from the Breeders' Cup here, uh, those of you that like to enter handicapping contest, and I need to tell you about this now because it starts with the Whitney Handicap, not that you can't jump in at another time. So, uh the Breeders' Cup, they collaborated with a, a, a thoroughbred leadership group called Vision 2020. It's a fantasy capping, free-to-play online fantasy game that spotlights 12 of the major races leading up to the Breeders' Cup World Championships. And uh, this, of course, will conclude with the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, basically, it, it's uh, set on the model employed by sports professionals uh, that like to play fantasy games in football and baseball. Fantasy 
tapping is designed to spur competition by allowing participants uh, to compete against uh, friends in small competitive leagues if you want to. So each week, uh, fantasy capping players will be provided information needed to handicap that Saturday's race, which is nice. You're going to get free PPs, uh, including you're going to get stories of the contenders, uh, history of that track, a history of the race, um, and, and links to other articles concerning the races. Uh, and then you'll get 20 to win, 20 to place, 20 to show, or a $10 exact a box, $20 total. And then the total fantasy earnings within the game are determined by the actual race and payouts. And following the conclu- conclusion, each Saturday race, you're going to get an email link so you can watch the race replay uh, if you didn't have a chance to see it uh, at a track near you. And then league standings and the global lead board uh, will be put up immediately once the race is pronounced official. This is pretty cool for people that want to play uh, a game that's not going to cost anything, but nonetheless uh, is going to keep you interested in the game. Now, registration is now open. Listen up. www.fantasycapping.com www.fantasycapping.com And again, it's going to officially start with the August 4th Whitney Handicapping, of which we will be handicapping later in the show. Okay, one more time, www.fantasycapping.com. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. Uh, Things are looking up uh, with Naira. Always got to love that. Uh, Things at Saratoga, they're up uh, 1.2% as far as attendance. Uh, on track handle is up 4.4%, and all sources handle, which includes uh, wagers on Saratoga on and off track from simulcast, up 6.7%. Always like to hear good news about racing. And of course, I'm not going to spoil it if you want to watch it later and tell you how many medals Michael Phelps won today. But Phelps, who of course became the most decorated uh, Olympic competitor of all time this week, he may become involved in thoroughbred ownership. As it turns out, uh, he and his swimming coach, uh, Bob Bowman, are interested in purchasing a horse and placing it with Hall of Fame trainer Bob Baffert, who Phelps considers a friend. This would be pretty cool to see Michael Phelps have a horse in the Bob Baffert barn, and I'm guessing uh, through his endorsements and such, uh, he's going to have plenty of skeets to be able to get the job done. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, if uh, Michael Phelps and Baffert will hook up. Well, want to buy a horse? You're going to have some opportunities coming up. Uh, Arve de Grasse, the 2011 Horse of the Year, will be entered in the Fasig Tipton November sale, according to owner Rick Porter. Uh, the St. Liam Mayor, she was retired, of course, due to an ankle injury. After winning her only start of the year, uh, could have sold at Fasig Tipton or Keeneland, but Porter had already uh, tipped his hand, saying uh, that uh, Boyd Browning of Fasig Tipton uh, had made a deal with them. Not a deal, but he, he committed to him. So, uh, Arve de Grasse will go Fazig Tipton. Be interesting to watch the price board on that one. And uh, in another sale information, a full sister to Rachel Alexandra, who's going to be part of the Dolphus Morrison dispersal, will be going at Keeneland in November. Uh, he's uh, selling a yearling filly. Her name is Samantha Nicole, full sister to Rachel. Of course, she won the Kentucky Oaks, the Preakness Stakes, the Mother Goose the Haskell and the Woodard, uh, and Morrison did campaign Rachel Alexandra, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see what that's going to bring 
at the sales. Also in this dispersal are some other nice horses, a lot of rhythm, who's a stakes winning half sister to a lot of Kim, and the stakes winners, Abbott Hall, and she's a kitty. So, uh, you got a few bucks, there's gonna be some nice horses for sale. <clears throat> also, let's not forget Keeneland, they're only gonna have 3,604 yearlings for the September sale. Of course, the September sale, let's face it, uh, you, you gotta be there. Uh, the graduates include, uh, Ones that you'll know about this year that the winners of five of the past six Triple Crown races. I'll have another Animal Kingdom, Shackleford, and Ruler on Ice. Uh, for the past five horses of the year, Arve de Grasse and Yada and Curlin, two time horse of the year, uh, came out of this sale. Uh, Champions Giopani, uh, Miss Oriala, uh, classic winner Drosselmeyer, Bodemeister, Game on Dude. Let's face it, folks, the big hitters are going to be down. At Keeneland, that select sale, book one, that's when uh, a lot of the heavy hitters go. That starts at 4 o'clock on Monday, September 10th. Uh, then uh, the rest of the sale, uh, book two, Tuesday through Thursday, 305 horses a day will be sold. And, of course, uh, it's the depth and the breadth of the stallion roster that you'll see. Um, this will be the final crop of AP Indy. And there's nine of them in the opening session. So, uh, you know, if you want to see uh, some fantastic uh, Colts and Phillies by the likes of, in alphabetical order, Bernardini, Curlin, Distorted Humor, Dynaformer, Elusive Quality, Galileo, Giants Causeway, Hard Spun, uh, Medaglia, Oro, Pulpit, Street Cry, Tap It, Tis Now, Unbridled Song. That's where you're going to be able to see them. And if you can't make it, live coverage of the 12-day sale at Keeneland.com, and also catalogs will be available on site at Keeneland.com. Well, uh, last uh, week we uh, got a chance to talk to Brad Free out on the West Coast and uh, looked at some of the big races out there, the Bing Crosby, a grade one. According to Brad, he didn't think that Amazombie was going to like the surface as much as the factor, and he gave the edge to the factor, the Bob Baffert uh, trainee. Of course, uh, the Big Crosby, it's a quick one going six furlongs, but it was Amazombie getting the job done with the fastest six furlongs of the week. He was the second pick. He got 580 to win. Uh, he just sat back there, and uh, with, uh, of course, Mike Smith, his regular rider aboard, and uh, let Comet at the top out sprint the factor, and man, did they set some pace. Uh, they went uh, 22 and 2 for the opening quarter, and uh, 44 seconds for the half, which means they went the second quarter in 22 and 1 in that half mile. So uh, Mike Smith uh, felt awful good uh, sitting in the catbird seat there and took advantage of it. Uh, this gelding now, Amazombie, he's six years old. He's won 12 times in 27 starts. And uh, now this was only his second start on Delmar's Poly track. And so uh, Bill Spore, the trainer, feels really good because uh, they'll be uh, going back to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup. And uh, he knows that uh, he'll prefer the dirt over there. So uh, Amazombie will pretty much follow the same schedule he had last year when he had one race following uh, the, the Crosby, and then he's going to come in to the sprint. The new name is uh, renamed the Ancient Title. Uh, was the Ancient Title, now it's the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. 
and then he's just going to sit back and, uh, and wait for the Breeders' Cup. So uh, Amazombie and Mike Smith could do it again in the Breeders' Cup. Also out of Del Mar, we looked at the, uh, the San Diego Handicap, and uh, this uh, had a very equal group of, of, of horses in there, but there's kind of a kind of a neat story in here. Uh, the, the eventual winner was Rail Trip. Now, Rail Trip was taken away from trainer Ron Ellis. Uh, that decision was, uh, was made by uh, May Siegel. Of course, uh, he is no longer with us. And uh, Samantha Siegel decided to give the horse back to Ron Ellis. And uh, it's it just a, a really feel-good story that all of a sudden he got his best form back. And you probably see him in the Breeders' Cup uh, because this was a win and the in, uh, and also you'll probably see him in the Pacific Classic. Uh, Got to feel good. This horse has now won nine times in 20 starts. Uh, Eight-race losing streak that began when Ellis last did not get there with him uh, in this race. Uh, he was then sent to the East Coast. Dick Dutrow had him back with Ellis. Feel-good story. Now, let's go to Monmouth Park, and uh, we will uh, double-check on one of, the, one of the biggest races that we had last week. It was the Haskell Invitational. The Haskell Invitational, of course, was won by painter Rafael Bejarano in the saddle. And uh, let's face it, we are in the second half of the meet. And the question is, with Union Rags, and I'll have another, could another horse jump up and claim horse of the year? Well, right now, Painter looks awful good, and we're going to find out what happens when these horses meet in the Traverse Stakes. Uh what was amazing about this race is that Baffert won this race for the sixth time, his third straight. Uh, of course, Painter was the Belmont Stakes runner-up. He cruised past Gemologist, the horse I did pick in here, I'll admit it. And uh, uh, Gemologist kind of faded. That was his first start back after a while. Uh, Nonios uh, got up there. He stalked from third. He finished second in a steel case who blew the break ended up finishing third. Uh, Baffert stayed in California, but assistant trainer Jimmy Barnes did a great job, and they say that he's going to ship back to, to Southern California for training and then return to the East Coast and run in the Travers, and that's going to be August 25th. Uh, just to uh, review, uh, Baffert won his first Haskell in 2001 with Point Gibbon, uh, who also went on to win the Travers. He also won the Haskell with War Emblem. That was 2002. Roman Ruler in 2005, and looking at Lucky, 2010, Coil in 2011. And all I can say is Rafael Bejarano, who put a great ride in, uh, let Gemologist jump out. He said that was great because the best part of the track was out in the middle, and that's where I um, decided to stay. So Painter, the new big kid on the block. Let's take a look again at a couple of the races that we uh, looked at with Brad Free. Uh, we, we went to uh, the Jim Dandy Stakes, and uh, Brad like neck and neck. The horse that ended up running second, I kind of liked the horse by the name of Alpha, and Alpha got the job done. Uh, 
from Flagfall to That's All, Wire to Wire. And they interviewed Kieran McLaughlin after the race about Alpha, and they said, well, what did you learn from this race? What can you tell us about this race? He says, well, I know this. I'm never going back to Churchill Downs. If you look at the past performances of Alpha, his only really two dismal races were the Kentucky Derby at Churchill, where he finished 12th, 19 and a quarter lengths back, and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile behind Hanson, 19 and a quarter lengths back. So uh, you're not going to see Alpha down the road uh, anytime soon. Of course, he's got history on his side. The horse had finished 12th in the Derby, came back to win the Jim Dandy, also came back to win the Traverse Stakes last year, and that was stay thirsty, my friends. All right, let's uh, move along to uh, some of the other major races. Uh, the Diana, it was Winter Memories, very, very popular horse up at Saratoga, getting the job done over the Irish Invader Dream Piece. So that's a look at the uh, major races we capped last week. Again, uh, we're going to be bringing in Matt McCumber to do our handicapping with us. But before that, we're going to get to talk to one of my favorite jockeys and favorite people in the world, the one, the only, Patricia P.J. Cooksey. Stay tuned. You're listening to Winning Pony. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me tonight is somebody. She might be in the uh, protective witness program because she goes by so many names. Uh, you can call her Patricia, you can call her Patty, or you can call her PJ, but we'll call her last name Cooksey for sure. As you know, she was one of the leading trailblazers for female jockeys back in the day, and no, I'm not going to give her date of birth because I'm a gentleman. But uh, let's face it, uh, uh, PJ started out in the days when it wasn't real popular uh, to, to ride a female. As a matter of fact, uh, she once shared a story with me that the reason 
she got the nickname PJ, so they wouldn't know that uh, she was necessarily a, a, a girl rider. Uh, she's been a leading rider here in the Cincinnati area on, on many occasions. Uh, my best recollection was she was the first woman to ride in the Preakness, first one to win a $100,000 stakes race, and I do believe her biggest stakes win came aboard a horse by the name of Moving Van at a little old track called called River Downs. Now, uh, she also became the first female jockey to be voted Naira's Mike Venezia Memorial Award, uh, which is a great award because it's given to a jockey who exemplifies extraordinary sportsmanship and citizenship. I've also been with her to see her uh, be inducted into the Kentucky uh, Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, right now, she's living in Shelbyville. And she's retired. Now, she works for the Kentucky Racing Commission, but now she also works as a steward at Ellis Park. I saw this story pop up a week or two ago, and I was just really shocked. So enough of my babbling. PJ, how you doing? Hey, John. Doing real good. Jeez, I didn't realize you could remember all that good stuff, huh? Oh, man. Now, you you know that you are one of my favorites, and uh, I pretty much had to, you had to write the book on you when you were uh, originally you know, setting the record back at, uh, I don't know if it was even called Latonia then. Uh, I think it was Latonia, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget the foibles that you went through. Now, were you passing Patty Barton at the time? Yes, so yeah, I was in the process of trying to pass Patty Barton. Wow, I mean, that was a trip, huh? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was great for me because they hired me. I, I was I was freelancing at the time, and I figured, well, I'll come in, you know, Cooksey's a couple wins away from the story. I'll make a couple hundred bucks, and I'll get out of here. And in between the time they hired me, the time you broke the record, let's see, uh, you had one trainer throw you over a horse while saddling, <laughs> and you got injured then. And then I believe another horse kicked you. Was it in a morning workout? or a post-parade, yep. Yep. Um, and uh, it was just seemed to be one thing after another, and of course there was necks and noses at the wire, so it was just like, well, got to go back to work tonight to see if Cooksey's going to break the record, but it was a fun time following that story. That took almost two months. I mean, I wish they hadn't even told me I was close, you know, because, I mean, I was only, I think I was like 11 races back, and it took, you know, like two, and I was winning like 11 races a week. That was easy, That you know. But, uh, hey, you know, I, I wanted you to be able to make a little bit and, you know, kind of come along for the ride and, you know, just uh, just be there with me. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was an experience. But we got there first, so. <laughs> yes, y- yes, you did. And then the young upstart, Julie Crone, was uh, nipping at your heels. And now uh, another young upstart by the name of Tammy uh, Piermarini uh, at Suffolk Downs, uh, you know, has uh, just moved you back one marker, but will never move you back in the hearts of your fans, PJ. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, these girls, they keep uh, they keep passing me, you know, and I keep having to change my bio, you know, like people when I have to send my bio when I do speeches and stuff, you know, I'm going, oh, wait, no, I'm not the second winningest, now I'm the third. Oh, I'm not the third, now I'm the fourth winningest female jockey in the world, you know. <laughs> so it's like, come on, girls, you know, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, like they say. say you were the best, though. Records are made to be broken. You know, I think I did it when there when when girls like you said weren't so popular. So um, so I I really enjoyed it though. I I, I love the challenge. Well, well, you know, sp- speaking about uh, girls, which is something I've always loved to do, is uh, you know we got some real up and coming uh, female riders right now that I think are I think is really good for the game uh, that that are grabbing grabbing a lot of headlines and two that really come to the top are, are Rosie Napravic and Chantel Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, there's another one up in Canada, uh, Mary, um, what, what's her name, um, Mary Jean, um, oh gosh, what's her name, Emma Jane Wilson. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. She rode, she rode over there in Pimlico with us. And I'm telling you what, these girls can horseback now. They, uh, they, they really doing it, and they're getting the opportunities, John. That's what's so neat about it. They're getting the opportunities. You know, they're riding for the bigger outfits. I mean, you know, Chantel riding for Bob Baffert. I mean, really, you would have never heard of that. You know, ten, fifteen years ago, and uh, of course, Rosie riding for Pletcher and all the top uh, trainers. And that's what it takes. You got to have the horse underneath you. So, uh, kudos to those ladies, and you know, getting their opportunities and making the most of them. Well, like yourself, too, I can compare both Rosie and Chantel uh, to people that also um, have a fantastic personality and are able to relay that uh, to the owners, trainers, medias, and the fans, because I've seen these people in in person and and how they handle themselves in public, and I think there's nothing better uh, for uh, the fairer side of riding to, to be represented like that. Well, yeah, and, you know, if the racetracks are smart, they'll they'll take that and run with it, you know, because I mean, you know, it is still a little bit of a novelty that women are 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 breaking through the glass ceiling of of a male dominated sport, you know. So I mean, that's just something they could they could use in, in marketing strategies, and I mean, you know, people come out to they they like to see girls do good, you know, especially when they're riding against the boys. So um, you know, it's really given given a boost to not only just to the women riders, you know, but uh, you know, to the sport itself. Yeah, well, it was really neat. I, uh, I know Chantel was only ridden at Keeneland twice. I was lucky enough to be there both times. And it was just, you, know, come, you know how you come through the tunnel and it's kind of easy to be approached by people. You're not really mm-hmm. shuffled away. And she would, you know, get down on one knee and take her helmet off and put it on a little girl and have her picture taken and just sign whatever anybody put in front of her. It, it's just it's great for the game. Yeah, yeah, these ladies are very humble. They're they're very gracious, you know, in uh, winning and losing. And, you know, these little girls, they look up to you. They look up to these riders. They look up to these women who, who are being very successful, making money, um, riding horses. I mean, my gosh, you know, that was the first thing I thought. I'm getting paid to ride horses. You know, it was crazy. I was like, wow, this is pretty fun. So and I think that's the same thing with these these ladies is, you know, they love what they do. They have a passion for it. They have a passion for the sport. And, uh, you know, they're just uh, wonderful representatives of the sport. Speaking of passion, by any chance, have you seen the pictures of Chantel and Vanity Fair? She's a whoo. She looks great. That was that was done so tastefully. You know, a lot of people were like, well, that I loved it. I thought that was done very tastefully. And she's beautiful. And, you know, it was just, it was just really well done. And, and, and kudos, you know, to our sport for having such a, such a great athlete. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah, about the know. Mike Smith one, though. <laughs> oh, I did The Mike see, Smith one. You ever seen the Mike see Smith one? one? No. Oh, okay. You'll have to find the Mike Smith one where, where they put all the athletes, all the guy athletes out there. And Mike Smith was the jockey and, you know, he was nude, but, you know, he was His hands up. strategically placed. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I don't know. And then the horse licking the top of his bald head. So I don't know. I like Chantel a whole lot better. I'm sure a lot of other people did too. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I believe that photo shoot was done by Bo Derrick. Uh, oh, the one for Chantel, yeah? Yeah. 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 And I guess something about they had to get the horse up the elevator and, and took it into a big, big hotel dining room or something. No kidding. That tells, tells you how neat the horse was, too, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, what I've got to find out now is what is going on with uh, Patricia, Patty, PJ, Cooksey. Who are you working for? When are you working? How do you get to and from where you're going? I understand that you're up in the steward stand now, and for the first time in the history of racing, there are actually 
two women, Barb Borden, who uh, I've known for many years uh, uh, around th- this area as just a classy individual and a racing official and one that you know has rose to the height that she has in the Kentucky Commission. Uh, what's it like uh, being up in the stewards booth? I mean, let's face it, PJ. Well, I'll tell you, John, it was, I can um, say that you've made it's, a few it's, trips it's, to the stewards you know, booth yourself. In, Back in November, um, I decided to take the um, the class, you know, for and, and get my accreditation for a steward, and um, you know, just to have it in my back pocket. And then, um, you know, I didn't think I'd be put in the game so soon, but you know, they needed a substitute steward, and uh, they called on me, and I was I was tickled to uh, for the opportunity. Well, all I can say is, and take this the right way, I watched you ride a lot, and you weren't exactly Mrs. Clean out there. I mean, uh, you, you had a few visits to the steward's office yourself. What's it like with the shoe on the other foot? Well, you know, you know the, the nice thing about John is, you know, before, before the, the opening day of the meet at Ellis, you know, I went to the jocks room, and I gathered all the riders around, made them put a towel on, and I said, look, you know, I, I, I know what you're doing. I've been there. I've done that. All I'm asking, you know, is ride your horses to the wire. You know, give everything you have. Don't be slashing, you know, because I was one at the Gracie Commission as the director of public relations. I would get the calls from the from the little old lady saying, why do they have to beat on those horses like that? You know, and then, you know, you go watch a race and you see a jock just, you know, kind of slashing on a horse, slash, and, and it doesn't look good, you know, for the public perception. So, you know, there's and, and we have a rule, actually, a regulation in there that says, you know, you show the horse the whip, you wait for the horse to respond, you hit him a couple times, wait for him to respond. You know, so there's a way to really kind of go about, you know, whipping your horse or, or you know, encouraging him and everything um, instead of just standing up and slashing on him, you know. So I talked to them about that. I said, I was getting the calls, you know, about people don't like seeing that because you're, and then I would explain that we have the padded whips and they don't really hurt the horses as much as, you know, the other ones and, you know, that kind of thing. So I was able to be on their level and talk to them. And, and I think they respect me, respected me for it. And, um, you know, if I saw something in a race and I'm going, Hey, you know, what about this horse? What's, you know, what's the deal kind of thing? And, you know, they'd give me an explanation. And if, you know, if I thought it was good enough, then okay. You know, but if not, then we'd go, we'd go watch the film. So, um, so that part of the being a steward is the easy part, watching the races for me. Now, the other part is the, um, you know, the people that come in and say, he stole my chair. You know, it's like, well, give him back his chair. <laughs> Why'd you steal his chair? He says, I want somewhere to sit, you know. So you kind of, it, it, it's a real realm of, of, you know, different things and different people. And that's, that's what makes it interesting and everything. And then, um, you know, of course, sometimes, you know, there's overages of, you know, permitted uh, legal medications, and, you know, so you have to just, you know, talk to the trainers and everything, you know, there, too. But um, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Barb was a great mentor. She's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, so so it, it really was kind of neat having her and I up there. And poor Butch Beecraft, he was the only guy, and, you know, we kind of outvoted him all the time. But, <laughs> but it, was, uh, it was a good experience. Uh, as a matter of fact, you probably rode with Barb's brother Dave at times. I absolutely rode with Dave. Yep, yep, I rode with him. And we talked about him a lot, and, you know, we reminisce. And, I mean, you know, Barb and I go back years, and, you know, I tell you, she's very meticulous, and, um, you know, she really pays attention, and, um, you know, a very, very smart lady. And, uh, you know, I was, um, like I said, she'll, uh, she'll make a fine steward for Kentucky. Uh, absolutely. You know, there was a lot of buzz on the Internet when, of course, uh, John Beach was 
going through the dilemma, if you want to call it that, uh, of what he was going through. And all of a sudden, some people started chiming in and say, what about Barb Borden? She has conducted herself with, with nothing but, but class and hard work and, and dedication to making sure the game is clean from day one. And all yep. of a sudden, her name started buzzing around there. And uh, I, I just thought it was a great decision. I really did. I thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody everybody thought it was a great pick, you know, and I mean, I'm sure it probably wasn't one of the most popular things for the commissioners to do, you know, being the good old boys, you know, sport that Kentucky is, you know. Um, Bill? So, so we kind of broke the, cl- broke, the, uh, broke the club there a little bit, and, um, you know, Barb, like I said, Barb's uh, really, really come through, and she's really shown them that uh, she's very capable. All right. Well, listen. Uh, uh, now, now, how is this working out for you? Uh, do you still have your job with the Kentucky Racing Commission? Yes, yes. So I'm still director of public relations. Like I said, I just I just wanted to get that in, in you know, so I could just fill in. I just wanted to fill in as a steward, you know, whenever needed. And um, but I still have my job, and and it's nice to be back to the office and doing you know doing all my work there and everything. Just finishing up the biennial report. It'll be online here real soon. And, um, you know, I do a lot of things around the office, and I've got several speeches and luncheons and everything to go to. And you know, I share our sport with women's clubs and schools and I take the equalizer to um to elementary schools and I put kids on and you know I tell them about how important the signature industry in Kentucky is and how important horse racing is um to our culture and you know to to our economic you know um status and everything so you know I'm just trying to get some excitement out there you know for our sport and you know I tell you I've just really enjoyed you know, being with the commission, I started in 2005, and you know, I just, uh, I just can't say enough how, you know, how how great it's been for me. Well, all I can say is, uh, just as they made the right decision with Barb Borden, uh, Kentucky made the right decision uh, when they put you in the spot that you're in, because you have always been a, a, a fantastic uh, ambassador of the sport. Uh, just to, you, you're, the personality that you have is, is, is so upbeat. You, you carry such a positive vibe, and uh, you're really uh, so well-respected in, in the game, PJ. I'm glad you're at where you're at. Well, I appreciate that, John, and, I'm, I, and I want to get this in. Now, remember when I, when I went down that spill at Keeneland, and I was laying in, in the hospital with both legs broken, and uh, I had all these big things of flowers all around me, and here you come in with this little bitty thing <laughs> with, the, with the pretty little plant in it, you know. It was a little angel, it, angel ceramic container with a real pretty plant. Well, of course, the plant's gone for now, you know, and all those big flowers and everything that everybody got me that were so beautiful, those flowers are all dead and gone. But you know what I have sitting on the back of my sink is that little container with a little angel on it, and that holds my, like, dish towels and my dish rags and everything. So every time I look at that, John Englehart, I think of you. So see? <laughs> you warm the cockles of my heart, PJ. Thanks a million. <laughs> Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. And I'll tell you, we really appreciate everything you do. So, um, you know, it's always, it's always great to talk to you and uh, love, love what you do. All right. Well, you know that our paths will cross shortly, and uh, I wish the, the, the best to you, and I'm so happy that your, your daughter, Chelsea, has been a, so successful that she's been over the years. Yeah, yeah. She's my pride and joy, and I'll tell you, she's uh, she's a pretty good kid. So, um, you know, that's that's what it's all about there, John, is uh, family. You know that. You've done good, PJ. Thanks so much for being on uh, Winning Ponies, and i got a feeling it won't be the last time. 
Thanks, John. You call me anytime. I love talking to you, all right? All right. You take, take care. care. Patricia bless, Cooksey buddy. wears a lot of hats, used to wear a lot of helmets, and she, as I said, is just a fantastic ambassador of the sport. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy that you probably have never heard of, Matt McCumber. But I used to have Matt on my uh, regular guy handicapping show that uh, I would have uh, at, at River Downs. And let me tell you, he is one astute handicapper. And... Uh, even though he's kind of a local guy from around here, he always seems to have his uh, thumb on what's going out on the West Coast, particularly Del Mar. So we picked a couple races from there to handicap uh, over the weekend. Really got some good races we're going to look at. So let's take a little bit of break here, and we're going to be back with Matt McCumber on Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is going to be our handicapper of the week. His name is Matt McCumber. Uh, this is a guy, he's a long-time lover of horse racing. He got hooked on the sport when he was traveling the county fair circuit as a kid with his grandfather. That was back, he had sulkies back in those days. But uh, he started enjoying watching thoroughbred racing growing up, became a fan uh, during the days of, of Cigar when he took off with his great streak in the mid-90s. Uh, up until now, now he graduated, been, he's been a part owner in a few thoroughbred syndicates. He is a member, Lottie Da, of the Thoroughbred Club of America, which is good because now I get a chance to sneak in because I can say I know him. And he's been a great advocate for the sport on many levels, and most importantly, a dedicated handicapper and horse player. He does have a real job, but he does love the ponies. So uh, he he does get to travel a lot, uh, which allows him to go to uh, different uh, races uh, around North America and even uh, down in, in Australia. So uh, Matt McCumber is a, a well-traveled, uh, well-heeled uh, handicapper, and he's joining us right now on Winning Ponies. Did, did I state your history right there, Matt? I think you got it pretty well. 
John. Thanks a lot for having me on. You know, I've, I've had so many guests on, and, and that seems to be the story. I mean, let's face it, nobody gets turned on to horse racing by walking into an OTB parlor. It, it seems to me you <laughs> have to point. have, uh, you know, a conduit, a, a personal introduction to the sport where they show their love of it uh, and their excitement of it to you, and then all of a sudden you catch the fever. Well, no, no questions about the animals, you know. And then I was running them at a young age, uh, bathed them, hot walked them with my grandfather, and really grew in love with the, with them and, and the barn atmosphere. I mean, just the smell of a barn for me just you know brings back a lot of memories. Uh, but you know, it's about the animals and the sport and uh, how hard they run. It's really what it gets down to. And if you're roundable enough um, and you're, you have a passion for sports and competition, you, you really can appreciate just how amazing uh, they are and what the sport is. Well, uh, obviously, uh, you've, you've embraced it and you've taken it to a pretty uh, good place because i i have handicapped alongside you and i have to say you're 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 a pretty astute guy so before we get into to the meat of uh of our handicapping here this week where be mostly uh delmar and saratoga mm-hmm. how do you approach a racing game you purchase a form perhaps the day before or you go online and download the information how do you attack a card you know, it's interesting. I I, I was pretty much a straight uh, player of uh, using daily racing form. Uh, I think obviously a lot of horse players are. It's it's like the most profitable paper in America for a reason, I think. Um, but I actually have seen Briz information as well, uh, probably in the last couple of years, and, and I like to actually compare them. And I find that um, it's good to kind of look at both, uh, particularly in certain races. For example, on the turf, I've noticed that the buyer figures are oftentimes lower than what British numbers will show, and sometimes at a point I stand out on the turf that otherwise, you know, my friends who are using just the, the daily racing form wouldn't see. Uh, so I, I try to actually, you know, use a couple different sources of information just to kind of balance it, the information, um, as well as, of course, with my uh, friends at the Thoroughbred Club, I get lots of inside barn tips, which often don't pay anything, but <laughs> that's generally where I go with my, with my uh, insights. Uh, now, uh, along those same lines, um, are you a trip handicapper, a speed handicapper? You know, are you, you jockey trainer question. combos, uh, or does that change from track to track? Well, it changes from track to track, and probably most importantly, probably from the conditions. I think uh, you know, obviously, if you're looking for younger horses, you're kind of looking for breeding because you don't have a lot to go on. Uh, if you're getting into more experienced horses, then a lot of times. Um, well, let, let's talk about your affinity for Del Mar. I know that that's a track that you really like. Is it that your travels take you out there, or you just like really handicapping in August? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Uh, it's a great month for vacation. It's my birthday. I'm going in a couple weeks. Uh, I actually, the first time I ever went was when my cigar lost his losing streak uh, to Darren and Go. Uh, that's the, the very first time I was ever there. Uh, but I've been several times since. Um, even though I don't have, seem to have a lot of luck on the poly track at Keeneland, I actually, for whatever reason, seem to handicap very well at Del Mar. So it seems like I, I generally do well out there. I can handicap the track well. I think it's a, it's a tricky surface where you got to have horses that like the track. And I think that's one of the key things is looking at, at two horses get over the track. Do they have works over the track? You know, do they seem to, to, to get over it well? Um, it's just kind of a tricky track because I think the poly track surface is at a lot of places. So for whatever reason, I've had a lot of luck there. And so uh, why not keep, uh, keep you know, going with what you like to do and, and make money at it? Well, j- just last week I had a handicapper on I respect very much from the West Coast, Brad Free, and he said the same thing, and that's why he picked the factor over Amazombie. But uh, there might have been some other factors that went into Amazombie's win, uh, plus the, the, the fact that he had a bigger rest uh, this year than he did the year before. And uh, it'll be very interesting this year because I believe we're going to be going to, to Santa Anita on dirt uh, for the Breeders' Cup. 
Sure. Yeah. And, and that actually, I didn't put the factor back in play. Uh, I actually didn't like the factor. I like I liked Baffert's other horse in that race, who was fast closing. I think he just got third. Um, and I, I heard all the guys on TBC talking about Amazombie. And, and, you know, I've always been a fan of Amazombie. I bet him in the Breeders' Cup sprint. I loved him then. And he'd, he'd hurt me the last couple of times because he hadn't performed very well. But I thought maybe cycling back. And sure enough, he ran just a bang up race. <laughs> Well, uh, Matt McCumber, we are going to now put your feet to the fire in a grade one race. It's the 42nd running of the Clement Hirsch. Uh, be going a mile and a 16th, uh, at Del Mar. Um, kind of an interesting mix of horses in that, uh, there's a couple of them that, uh, look like they're just rounding into form and then there seems to be uh you know maybe the uh, ever consistent include me out uh, then you've got uh, probably the horse to beat switch um and then you got this mystery horse from Chile called Amani who has only been beaten once in her life and uh, she came back and won her next race a grade 1 by 25 lengths <laughs> I, I did see that, John. I, I was looking at that. And, and on top of that, uh, Garrett Gomez, who's probably the hottest rider to me at Del Mar, uh, is on that horse tomorrow. Um, I'll tell you, I'm taking a stand against that horse. I mean, not Saturday, but I'm taking a stand against that horse simply because I don't like the 5-2 to two morning line. I think that's really short for a Chilean horse, which is stepping up into, in a lot of respects, uh, you know, the deep end of the pool for SoCal horses. Um, and I also not, I don't like the fact the horse has in a local work from what I can tell. Uh, that actually is a big factor for me at Del Mar. I like to see that horse no matter what level I like to see the horse. Again, with the, with that service being very tricky for a lot of horses, I like to see them have at least one work over it. Um, having said that though, I agree with you. Look, switches, I mean, she ran against Zenyatta. I mean, she had the class of the field. Uh, her last race was phenomenal. For some reason, I can't seem to get right on switch. I bet her and she loses. I don't bet her and she wins. I didn't bet her last time and she romped. Um, and, and look, she's, she's amazing. She appears on her A game. Her, her recent work was outstanding, but I guess there's two concerns I have with switch. Number one is if you look at her, her figures over her course of her long career now, she was better as a three-year-old than she was as a four-year-old. And she looks like she's better as a four-year-old than a five-year-old. From what I can tell her figures are, you know, like all of us, when we get a little older, we lose a step. It looks to me like she is. And even on top of that, frankly, including out, looks like a better Philly. I mean, the numbers suggest that she's just faster. Uh, she's also, I think, more going on the upside, whereas I think Switch is probably not, not too far from the breeding shed heading towards the downside of her career. I, I like Ron Ellis' Philly probably the best. Um, again, I looked at that Chilean import, but I don't like the odds and the surface. The, the horse that uh, my price play in this race is Star Billing. Uh, Star Billing is a watch horse of mine that I put on my list uh, when she broke her first maiden. She won a grade three the very next start, which is hard to do. Not many horses do that. Um, actually, better than two, so it was <laughs> certainly a, a, a memorable uh, experience. Um, she's never run the, on the poly. She's been on turf, uh, but she is a great one winner. She's likely to be in the morning line is 12 to one. She's probably going to be close to that. Uh, I think if you're looking for a horse that could, could uh, challenge, include me out, she's the horse. Um, the other horse I'd mentioned in this race is great hot just because AC is, you know, certain trainers really gear for Del Mar. He's one of the ones that does uh, this horse is 15 to one morning line, but uh, one for one at Del Mar. Uh, again, another horse that likes the surface, something I always consider when I, when I handicap and better race. Uh, and again, the trainer really gears up for Del Mar. He's known for, for popping the prices. So I, I still think Ryan Ellis is going to be really, really tough to beat here. I think she's on the upside uh, and heading in the right direction. I think she probably wins. But again, I think there's a couple of prices underneath that you can get, get perhaps beyond switch. Maybe switch doesn't have a best day. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I I find your uh, long shot uh, star billing kind of tasty myself, and that uh, it may have had a, a, a little excuse, and it's uh, uh, the only start of the season where it was favored to win the Redondo Beach. Uh, it, it bobbled early in the race, and then it was four wide on both turns. But what I like about this horse is its connections. It's trained by John Sheriffs and ridden by Rafael Bayarano. You don't see those guys on too many long shots. No, no, and, and I can tell you this horse has class and talent. Don't you? I mean, I've seen this horse almost every start of her career. Uh, I got the notice when she was going to be in this race, and then we were talking on the show, and I was like, oh, when we start Billings, odds are going to be. Last race was a total toss out. She got hammered. She got caught way wide in the turn after a bad start. I mean, you know, it just wasn't at all, never in the race, and, and didn't matter, so you could draw a line through that. And again, uh, she's got class. Can she transfer the surface? That's the big question mark. I don't know, but again, you know, horses that like the turf generally switch pretty well to poly. And I think at 12 to 1, I think she'll be close to that price. If I'm looking for a horse that just might be right there with include me out at a big price, that's it. And, and trust me, as anybody that's at Delmark knows this far in the meet, there's been a lot of big prices. Well, that's good to know, and that's why we brought you off the bench in here to start tonight, my friend. Well, listen, let's go now uh, to uh, a race that has had just amazing horses running it over its 85 years, and that's the Whitney Invitational Grade 1 at Saratoga, a mile and an eighth. Uh, this horse brings out some of the best handicapping handicap horses in the country, and this is an awful hard race to handicap. Mm-hmm. No, there's no question. It's it's one of the great ones, and every year it, it attracts a lot of great horses. It's, I've been to a couple of Whitney's myself. Uh, it's certainly one of the signature events at Saratoga and with the signature meet. And with that said, it uh, looks like Bill Mott is holding a very heavy hand in here. Uh, he's going to start uh, two horses with different connections. Uh, Ron the Greek, who's coming off an impressive performance over some good horses in the Stephen Foster. So he's been rested and conditioned for Saratoga. And then you've got uh, a flat out uh, with the red hot uh, Rosie Napravic in, in, in the saddle. Uh, is Mott holding a heavy hand in here, or is there somebody else that uh, that you're liking? Well, I will tell you, um, Fort Larned is my top pick, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Ron the Greek is probably my second pick. I, I actually... Uh, kind of leaning heavily towards that exact box, although, look, let's face it, this is a pretty tricky race. Uh, you know, Trick Meister's in a good spot, a lot of speed, and, and, and is running well at Saratoga at a big price. Um, I even want to talk about Hunter's Bay for a second, because that horse interests me in, in some ways. Uh, but, yeah, Flat and Hymnbook are, are both outstanding older horses that, that always, you know, run hard and, and, and uh, bring it. Uh, and there's no reason why they shouldn't do it again here. But, as you said, this is a really deep, tough race. Uh, but, but Ron agrees, since he switched to Bill Mott, if you look at his races, I mean, he's raced everywhere around the country. And Bill Mott seems to be just obviously a Hall of Fame trainer for a reason. He gives his horse a lot of time between races. He picks his spots, and his horse always shows up. I mean, he's gotten six straight exactas uh, in his last six races. Uh, and, and both losses were to huge next out winners in alternation and Mucho Macho Man. Uh, by the way, Mucho Macho Man might be the Kevin Bacon of this race because you look the race, face a lot of the horses. So he might be kind of the key <laughs> to figuring out uh, how you handicap this race. But I was at uh, uh, Churchill that Friday night, um, and I, you know, Ron the Greek ran huge. I was told before uh, beforehand by a client who was taking the horse back at the barn and, and told him, not told him he was doing great. So I knew going to that race um, that he was sitting on a big race, and I actually fed him at nine to one. So it was nice that night. However, um, Fort Larner was also in that race and just had a horrible trip. And I just, if you look at this horse, uh, first of all, I think this is going to be a big weekend for Ian Wilkes. I like his filly a lot uh, in, in the feature um, tomorrow as well. 
Um, but I just, this horse, um, he's never really run a bad race except for that, that uh, Churchill Downs race. Who knows? It could have been the night. He could have bled. I don't know what it was. But other than that, if you really look past that race, I mean, this horse is really a monster. I mean, I was there on Oaks Day at Churchill when uh, him and Successful Dan ran huge. I believe Successful Dan set a track record that day. Uh, as the April mentioned, Mucha Macho Man was six links back in third, by the way. Um, so, I mean, if this horse shows up with his A game, given his numbers and his uh, trajectory, I think he's going to be very tough. Yeah, and you know, you know what I like about this horse, Matt, too, is something that Ian Wilkes has done, and uh, is that he's keeping Brian Hernandez on the horse. If you, if you go back, you know, Brian just seems to fit this horse. Uh, back uh, last year at, at Churchill Downs in November, wins big time at 23 to 1 and then comes back at 4 to 1 to, to take the corn husker. Uh, he's tried a lot of the other, you know, top jockeys in the country, but for whatever reason this kid who I've always liked a lot uh, just seems to fit the horse and I think it's it's, it's kind of neat it'll probably be his first uh, uh mount at, at Saratoga this season for sure uh that that he's keeping him in the saddle and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, if you got the right jockey with the right horse, I, I don't think there's any reason to switch. I mean, you know, with Mario Gutierrez and all of another, another example of that. I mean, I, sometimes these big trainers kind of switch the big jockey because they're available. I'm not sure it's always the best move. I mean, I, I, you know, triple crown races, I can see where it gets a little tricky. Uh, you know, of course, like Belmont and the Belmont Stakes, it's a bit hard for a lot of jockeys to ride up there and experience. But look, you know, it's not that course. If you got a jockey that knows the horse, that's probably the best thing you have going for you, and especially in a race like this. I mean, this is going to be a really tough race. It really is. All right. Well, let's go back uh, to uh, kind of your stopping grounds. We'll go to Del Mar. We've got about six minutes left to do our handicap, and so we'll split these about three but, and three. Um, by the way, John, just to say, uh, I wanted to mention that Hunter's Bay. When I got done handicapping the entire Whitney card, I looked back at this horse. who was 21 morning line. But this horse is not without a chance, if you look at it. That damn smoking frolic was a nice, nice horse. And obviously, you know who Ghost Zapper was, being horse of the year and, and a really nice horse. You know, Maybe it's not a synthetic horse. Ran well at Monmouth, um, you know, as a two-year-old, ran really well in dirt surfaces. So I'm just going to throw that in as a 21 long shot. This horse is not impossible to hit the board uh, in the Whitney, but we can go on to Del Mar now. You've always been a good price player. There's no doubt about that. Well, the best pal, six and a half furlongs. Of course, obviously, these are two-year-olds. Not a whole lot to go on. Uh, you've got the undefeated uh, Sharer Magic. Uh, you've got the uh, stakes winner, Miss Empire, in here. The question mark horse, Amarish, who uh, looked like she was going to be a bear and just put in a clunker last time. Uh, who floats to the top for you in here? Well, I, you know, it's going to be hard to get past Share Magic. Uh, you know, you got a horse that's had two huge romps uh, and then some just awesome local works. Uh, you know, Sadler, once he's, as long as he doesn't leave California, he's just really, really tough with a lot of his horses. I predict Del Mar over the years, uh, of course, like Sydney's Candy. So I just think he's sitting on a, you know, he's got a nice colt here who's who's absolutely primed and ready to roll. Uh, it's just really hard to get past that horse, and, and the fact that that horse drilled Amarish last time. Uh, I'm kind of hoping Amarish is the second here because I think there's a couple of prices that, that might uh, at least get underneath and potentially could threaten to win because I, I'm hoping Amarish will take some money even though I agree doing a real clunker last time uh, but before that looked great uh, but just the fact that he got drilled by Sheriff Magic just, just leaves me looking for other prices out here and I think there's a couple out here uh, the two air horses um, first of all um, Air Kitty by Peter Miller I mean Peter Miller is one of those trainers uh, like Ace Avila that just shows up at Del Mar every year. I mean, I learned my lesson a couple of years ago when I watched him win uh, 
race after race with young horses, uh, and I hadn't bet them, and they were like six to one, and I thought, you know, I got to make a mental note not to miss that again. And so ever since then, I made made a uh, specific emphasis to, to make sure I knew Peter Miller was racing uh, at Del Mar. And so this horse here looks like he's he's well meant. Um, you know, he romped on the grass in his debut at Hollywood Park. Uh, and has, uh, I said, nice local works, which is something I absolutely kind of expect and require if I'm going to put money on a horse. Uh, the other horse I said was the other air horse, Air of Storm by Alexis Barbara. Um, another really nice winning debut. I love the fact that when you got a two-year-old who uh, has a tough start and then gets squeezing horses and really has to get an education and also gets up to win, by the way, right? Uh, it just tells you a lot. I mean, that's that's a horse where you look and go, oh, that's, that's a really nice move there. You don't see a lot of two-year-olds do that, even really nice two-year-olds. So the fact that horse could do that, I mean, this horse is probably going to be 15, 20 to 1, I guess. I don't know, but it's not going to be one of the top two or three choices. Um, and I love that that, that first uh, race for sure. Um, you know, the other horse that, that I probably uh, will look at is Moreno, who also had a trouble trip in the debut and has two really nice local works and will also be a big price. Uh, those are, again, I'm trying to, to beat Amarish, assuming that that horse is going to be like a 5 to 1 second choice. Uh, it is going to be tough to beat Sadler. I mean, look, it's even money. It's probably worth the play. It's probably going to be less than that, which means I would never bet it to win. But if you're looking for some for a try box or exact a box, I would look at the two air horses and perhaps Marino in that as well. Well, we're always looking for that in the two-year-old races. Anything can happen. I do like mm-hmm. uh, your introspective view of the fact that those trouble horses came back and overcame it. You don't see that a whole lot with two-year-olds. A lot of times they just give it up. They're getting uh, dirt kicked in their face for the first time in their life. And uh, both uh, Air of the Storm and Moreno showed some guts. i got about three minutes left here, Matt, and uh, yep. it's not going to be easy. Uh, you don't always see a grade one six-furlong race. I think the interesting angle in the Alfred G. Vanderbilt is going to be Shackelford, who we know is just a sensational horse, closing in on $3 million as a four-year-old who, believe it or not, what horse in this day and age has never run at six furlongs? <laughs> and look, you know, Saratoga is a graveyard of favorites, but let's face it, this horse is going to be really hard to beat. I mean, he just looms over this field. A lot of the horses that he's, he's knocked noses with uh, in some real tough races aren't in here. I mean, he's looking at a bunch of horses that, that he towers over. Uh, I just don't see him getting beat here. I, I really don't. Um, and I think the only horse that is an up-and-comer is Godolphin's MC. Uh, he's probably second choice and then has the ability. I mean, he's a horse that's on the improve. He's, he's only had five lifetime starts. I also think Town has run big. He ran big last year uh, in September at seven furlongs, uh, and so this distance is probably a better fit for him. He's got some class. Uh, he's probably likely, if you're going to just pick a horse to run second or Shackleford, I'd play Shackleford, Jersey Town, all in trifectas and see what happens. Uh, Amazing Destiny also likes the track, but I just think it's the one-horse race. Well, uh, we will find out. He is a class act, and he's using this, they say, as a prep for the forego. So, listen, I'm down to just, uh, just a, a little bit left, but I do want to mention the West Virginia Derby. We know that Hanson opted for this because if he wins this race, he's going to get a $150,000 bonus. Uh, just very, very quickly, is there an upsetter in the West Virginia Derby? Uh, probably not. Uh, Hanson is a standout with or without his blue tail, he's supposed to going to run with. Um, although I will tell you that I happen to know uh, Kellen Gorder a little bit, friend of a friend. Uh, I saw Bourbon Courage break his debut. It was actually at the fairgrounds. Uh, this horse is a really talented horse. Kellen Gorder is a, is a trainer that, that wins everywhere he goes. I mean, he's got a huge percentage, like 38% on the year. He's like 42%, I think, at West, in, in uh, Mountaineer. So, I mean, this is a guy who knows what he's doing, knows how to train a horse. The horse has had some tricky races. I mean, I didn't think he liked the slop. 
uh, in the Derby trial, and he lost some horse named Painter, who obviously robbed him that. And Absolutely turned into a good one. And with that said, I've got to get out. My producer is okay. looking at me saying, get out of here. Matt McComber, thank you so much for being on winningponies.com. I want to thank all our listeners. Remember, these shows are on podcasts, so tell your friends about them if they missed it. From high atop the grandstand, overlooking the turf course to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.